You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Bible in Real Life podcast. And I am so glad that you have joined us today. Today, we're going to be continuing. This is the third part of our Easter discussion. Um, and we've talked about uh, kind of the, the celebration of Easter. Last episode, we went through the days of the week from Palm Sunday all the way to Good Friday. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about the resurrection and its implications for the believer. So you are in the right place. This is the Bible in real life. I'm your host, Lee Fuller. And uh, before we get started, I want to say thank you for continuing to tune in. We're going to read a lot of scripture today because I want you to see the impact and the power of what God did or what Jesus did through his death and resurrection on the cross, right? Um, so if you are not following us on social media, um, go ahead and do that. You can uh, find us on TikTok now. Um, the Bible in Real Life is on TikTok. It's also on Instagram uh, and Facebook. So search up Bible in Real Life and you will uh, see me and also see some of the things that we're putting out on social media um, hopefully it will edify and build up your life. So, um, let's continue in Matthew. I want to read the resurrection account in Matthew, um, just to kind of close out that piece and then show the implications for the Christian walk. Is that all right? All right, let's get to it. We're going to go to, if you don't know where the resurrection story is in Matthew, here it is. It's in chapter 28. And it says, now after the resurrection, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Well, there you will see him. See, I have told you. And the thing I like about this is like, listen, he's doing just what he said, right? He said he was going to rise again and he rose from the dead. Um, I like the fact, you know, some people will say, oh, you know, the roll, the stone was rolled away so that Jesus could come out. I believe that the stone was rolled away so that we can look in and see that he is no longer there, right? So um, Resurrection Sunday celebrates the rising of Christ from the dead. And this is so key to living out the life of the believer, right? So today 
I want to briefly go over the implications of Christ rising from the dead. Okay, so we can celebrate it. Woo! Right? Um, let's go. First Peter chapter. Um, first Peter talks about this in chapter 3, verse 18. Right? So 318. Let's pull that up real quick. I, I want to show this. Remember, Peter was a disciple of Christ, right? One of God's disciples. And here is what he said about the resurrection. For Christ, who suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring to us, what? Bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Okay. Now, what Peter is sharing with us is Peter understand that Christ's suffering was for us, right? One of the tenets of a believer is understanding that Jesus never sinned. Well, if Jesus never sinned, then what sins were he dying for on the cross? And this is the exciting part. He was dying for your sins, right? So Jesus' death on the cross was for my sin, but his resurrection shows the approval of the sacrifice, right? He didn't have to stay dead. He showed, his resurrection showed that he had power over sin. Oh, I'm getting it into, <laughs> getting to my next point, but um, he showed that Jesus <coughs> died once and for all for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. So my sins, your sins, the sins of the world were placed on Jesus so that um, those that believe in him can experience the righteousness of God, right? So that's the first implication. Jesus' death on the cross secured salvation for those that believe. Romans 6 says it like this. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died once for all, but the life he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto Christ. So I know sometimes as believers, we, we um, you know, oh, I'm dealing with this sin. I'm struggling to this sin, right? There's, there's this um, constant struggle with, you know, trying to live a holy life, trying to live a godly life. And uh, Romans, Paul teaches, hey, if you consider yourself dead to sin, if you realize that your sin died on the cross with Jesus, then you can live by the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus. Here's my point. Sometimes we struggle with things that the Bible says is already dead. We struggle with sins that have already been punished. You know, sometimes I talk to people and they have what I call the can't help it. I couldn't help it, man. I had to say this, or I couldn't help it. I had to smoke this, or I couldn't help it. I had to 
find her and I had to go see him. I couldn't help it. But Paul says, listen, believe that just as, no, um, uh, the death that he died, he died once and for all. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin. So you don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to have a case that it can't help it because we are dead to sin and we can live and be alive in Christ Jesus because the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead also is the power to keep you from um, living in sin, right? The power that raised Jesus is also the power that's able to keep you from uh, your sins, right? So we just have to believe it and we have to walk in it. And if we do fall, hey, we confess, we get back up and say, hey, uh, I know Jesus, you're not going to die on the cross again. So this sin has already been paid for. Let me continue to walk in newness of life. So God has sacrificed, uh, God has secured your salvation by his death. And we have the power to walk in new life. All right. Um, that's number one implication about his resurrection. And we can shout on that because we don't have to live under the, um, the can't help it, right? Sin is not too strong because your sin was di died on the cross, um, was placed on Jesus and died. Um, number two, the second implication of the resurrection, the resurrection shows that Jesus is in fact, the resurrection and the life. Jesus said in John, we remember this, John chapter 11, right? So Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, what did he say, Lee? Jesus said, and pull it up. Jesus said to her, so he's talking to, um, he's talking to Martha. Jesus said to her, uh, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believe in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Man. So, before Jesus died, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will never die, right? Um, uh, who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, right? So Jesus is saying, I'm able to raise the dead. I'm able to bring things back to life. And Ah, I shout about this. I'm encouraged by this because nothing is too far gone. I'm going to say that again because I'm about to get happy. Nothing, it, nothing is too far gone. In this context, Lazarus had been dead for four days. He'd been dead, dead. The body began to decay and God says, hey, do you believe that I'm resurrection? Do you believe that I'm the life? Well, if you do, Though something dies, it shall live again. And I know we have some people listening to this podcast and there's some relationships with your parents that you feel may have died. Hey, you know, I haven't talked to them for years and there's no way this relationship can live again. 
Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Some are saying, you know, I have a relationship with my brother or my sister that died years ago and I don't believe and 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 it feels like it can never be restored. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Some of us, there is a marriage that's teetering. It's like, I don't know if we can ever, if this marriage can ever be raised again. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And you know what? If he had died and stayed dead, we could say, you know what? He said he was the resurrection and the life, but he couldn't back it up. He said that though it dies, he can bring it back, but he couldn't back it up. The Easter celebration, the resurrection celebration, Jesus rising from the dead shows us unequivocally that he is who he said he is. So when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he means it. He says, regardless of what has died, I can bring it back. He said it in uh, in John 11, but also watch this. And I I think this is so awesome that Jesus said, because sometimes we look and we say, well, if Jesus is God, then why did he even have to die in the first place? And watch this in John um, 10, 18, Jesus said, and this is so good. Jesus said, 10, 18. Um, well, let's start at 17. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. 18, watch this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This charge I receive from my father. You see that? Jesus said, my death on the cross was intentional. No one, um, no one takes it from me. I lay it down. And because I laid down my life, I can pick it up again because I have all authority. I have all power. And Jesus confirms his authority by laying down his life. You know, as I was listening to uh, I've seen a couple Easter plays and I've seen a couple movies over this past week. And Pilate would say stuff like, are you the king of the Jews? And he'd be like, you have said, right? <laughs> um, or he'll say, they'll ask him, you know, uh, are you the king? He said, are you saying this of your own accord or did somebody tell you this? And I'd be like, why is it so cryptic? Why is it so, it seemed like, answer the question right? Answer it directly. Like say, yes, I am God and blah, 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 blah. But uh, as I listened to it, I realized that um, many times Jesus couldn't respond directly or he didn't respond directly because he realized he had to be crucified. Because I believe if he would have, have answered and, you know, convicted or or um, articulated his case or try to prove his case, then I believe, uh, you know, they would have been like, well, even even when his his answers, they would say, well, I don't find any fault in this person. 
well, I don't think there's really a problem. You know, I'm washing my hands of the situation because, you know, there's not a problem here, right? So I, I believe that this was all a part of God laying down his life, not giving them, you know, that mind-blowing response that'll make them say, oh, no, we can never crucify this guy because he really is the son of God, right? Oh, um, but this shows how he is laying his life down. He's willingly submitting to the Father, understanding that it's because of the resurrection or because of his death is why he came, right? So he didn't argue the point. He didn't um, prove them wrong. He didn't convict, convince them not to crucify him because he's like, I'm laying my life down. I'm submitting to this. And because I did that, and then after I laid my life down, I'm going to pick it up again because all authority has been given unto me. Man, do you realize the God that you serve? The God of the Bible, the God that we believe in, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has all authority. There was nothing too far gone. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. I can lay my life down. So what's been interesting is we see in scripture, Jesus had raised a little girl that had just died. Jesus had stopped a funeral procession and raised somebody that was uh, about to be buried. We see that Jesus had raised Lazarus who'd been dead for four days. So he's able to raise everybody else. Now, that's one level of of power. But when you raise yourself, that is another level of power. That's saying, just like he said in John 14, that's me laying my life down, bearing the weight of sin, and then me bringing myself back. Come on, man. Listen, that's why I love him. That's why I serve him because it takes, that's that God stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, Sometimes we look for external, Lord, please fix the situation. God's like, I remember in the Old Testament, Bible says, uh, Jesus, because he could swear by none greater, he swore by himself. You know, we'd be like, ah, for God, I'd be on this, right? Or I promise to God, or I promise on my mama grave, or I promise on blah, blah, blah. Jesus is like, I, there's no higher authority. Right. So I am God. So he said, oh, God said, I swear by myself. <laughs> That's gangster. Right. Hey, um, you know, I put this on me that I'm going to do this. Right. That's that's God type stuff. So let's see um, the implication of Christ's uh, resurrection. Number one, he secured our salvation. And because he nailed our sin to the cross, we can. Uh, walk in newness of life. Number two, it shows that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, right? Because he raised not only others, he raised himself. Number three, it proves that he has authority over death and can give eternal life, okay? Now, John 3.16, many of us know this passage, right? And this is, well, let's start at 14. Let's start at 14. Um, let's go 14 and look at what it says. John 3, 14 says, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. 15, that whosoever believes in him, in Jesus, may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, right? So when we look at 15, it says, those that believe in him will have eternal life. We look at 16, those that believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So wait a minute. Both of them said that Jesus can promise eternal life right? John 3, 15 and John 16. Well, what his resurrection from the dead proves is he can deliver on his promise. If he didn't rise from the dead, then we see that he doesn't have eternal life and you can't give what you don't got. It's bad English, but it's good theology. You can't give what you don't have. So, Jesus says, I have eternal life. And if you believe in me, I can give you eternal life. Then they crucified him. He came back to show that I have eternal life. And because I have eternal life, I can give you eternal life. So the resurrection is very key to the believer. Because how can I believe that there is a heaven that there is an eternal life for me if I'm believing in Jesus and he couldn't even secure it by himself. You know, when I talk to business owners and people, you know, just various people, they're like, hey, hey, here's this little thing you can work on or hey, here's something you should do or here is, and I'd be like, listen, show me the receipts. You know, right? Show me that this, that this, adventure, this entrepreneur, this little program, show me what it did for you. Show me that you experienced it. And Jesus, um, you know, and those that can't show me the receipts, I'd be like, hey, that sounds like a good business opportunity for you. But for me, I need to see receipts, right? What Jesus said, if you believe in me, I'll give you eternal life. And to show you that I can give eternal life, I'm going to lay my life down and then I'm going to pick it up, right? The resurrection proves that I can give myself because I am eternal and you saw me die. I'm back. I gave myself eternal life. I walk in eternal life, I should say. Then you can walk in eternal life. And this is why it's so important for the believer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, it says, if Christ is not raised, then our faith is futile, right? Because if God didn't raise himself from the dead, then my sins haven't been fully paid for, right? I'm still in my sins because I've, um, I've heard it said like this, you know how the Bible talks about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, et cetera, et cetera? Well, um, a man, if Jesus was just a man, he could die for the sins of a man. 
right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, death for life for life, death for death, right? So he could die for the sins of himself because if he wasn't God, he's a liar, right? So he could die for the sins of himself, but because Jesus was God, a God can die for the sins of the whole world. Come on, right? So a man, if Jesus is just a man, then Jesus would have to die for his own sins. But if Jesus was God, he could die for the whole world. So because Jesus was God, when he died and then rose again, I say, wow, this truly is a son of God. I can be like that Roman, that Roman that's on the cross that, I mean, the Roman that's near the cross that said, truly, this was the son of God. And he said that even before Jesus rose, he said that because when Jesus died, the sun went dark, there was an earthquake and all this other stuff happened, right? Here's my point. Jesus can give me eternal life because he has eternal life to give. All right, man. Romans 6, 9 says, and we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die. Death no longer has dominion over him. And if death no longer has dominion over him, because we believe in Christ, death no longer has dominion over us, right? Fourth implication, followers and disciples of Jesus will live again just like Jesus did. First Corinthians remind us that Jesus is the first fruit of those that have fallen asleep. So the first fruit is, is like the, the emissary, like the first person, right? Hey, when you're walking through a door, the first fruit is that first person. What would happen in the Old Testament is uh, when the harvest came in, they would give the first harvest to the priests, right? So that God would bless the rest of the harvest. Well, Jesus rose from the dead and was the first fruit from the dead. And then um, God blessed the rest of us that will follow along. Here is what um, Jesus says about the rest of us. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 42. You know what? I might have to read that together. So let's go. 1 Corinthians. Uh, and I, I love 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go 42. It says this. Um, <clears throat> many of us may know this from... Um, like a funeral or something. And it's because for the believer, this is your reality. So let's look at what Jesus' resurrection means to the life of those that that we die. You know, um, our body uh, will pass away. But look at 14 or 1542, it says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable and raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. Isn't that cool? 
Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection shows that our bodies will also rise. So uh, let me give you a little context about this. Many, many taught in, in Greek um, or in the uh, Greco-Roman society back then, and many believe this now, right? So watch this, that when a person died, their soul rose, right? And only their soul. So there's this disembodied spirits that go to the afterworld, right? Well, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 15 that not only does our spirit move on, there is a time, or our spirit and our soul move on, there is a point in which our body will also be raised again incorruptible. So heaven will not be this place of just spirits walking around. There will be the, there will be um, bodies, right? We will get a new body, right? The Bible says um, there's a, we just read how there is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Now, this current body that we live in, it, it needs to breathe oxygen, right? This current body needs to eat food. This current body doesn't fly or move, um, like can't, can't float, right? Um, this, there are limitations for this current body. This current body can't go to outer space or can't go to heaven or can't. There's a lot of limitations on this earthly body. However, this earthly body will, uh, this, this earthly body gets sick. <coughs> Excuse me. Horrible timing, excuse me. Um, but this earthly body gets sick. This earthly body, there are a lot of limitations, right? And so for those that may be experiencing some of these limitations that are in this earthly body, right? Some of the sickness may be in this earthly body. Your body may, um, may be riddled with cancer or may not have the strength that it used to have. You know, as I'm getting older, some of that those military um, military exercises, I'm starting to feel it in my back, starting to feel it in my knees. Listen, but Jesus says that, um, Paul talks about that just as Jesus rose from the dead with his glorified body, we too will receive a glorified body a body that doesn't have these back pains, a body that doesn't need to wear glasses, a body that don't, that is incorruptible, right? Will not perish. And Jesus shows us an example of what, um, of aspects of our eternal body, right? So this is one implication that just as Jesus rose with a different body, a glorified body. And what I thought was interesting is um, Jesus's body, he did eat in that body. In Jesus's new body, the Bible says that he rose to heaven. God's going to create, and I know I'm getting a little into eschatology, into revelation, but the Bible says God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe the children of God 
will be able to um, go from heaven to earth, right? Um, but there's going to be a, there has to be a new type of body that's able to be in the heavens and also um, be on the earth. So God gives us a new body. We see Jesus' body. Um, they touched him. So physical, right? Remember? Philip, or not Philip, Thomas, put your put your hand in my side. Thomas, look at this, look at this scar on my hand, right? Uh, when we see pictures in heaven, we see Jesus on the right, uh, seated on the right side of the Father, right? Or standing on the right side of the Father. My point is there's a physical, I mean, there is a bodily presence. So we can be encouraged, believer, that we will get a glorified body, one that isn't um, limited like our current body is. Jesus is our example. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it shows more about this implication. Because Jesus has eternal life, because Jesus was given a glorified body, you too, my friend, will have a glorified body. So this body here, I'm not taking this one with me. This body that needed LASIK surgery, this body that aches, this body, some um, bodies that have needed kidney transplants and heart transplants and screws in your knees. God says, no, no, no. This perishable body that was meant for earth, I'm going to raise you and give you the imperishable body that's meant for a heaven and eternity. Come on. I can shout. The older I get, the more I shout about that type of stuff. You know, at 21, I want to keep this body. Hey, where I am now, a little north of 21, <laughs> can I get a new one? Praise the Lord. And Jesus said, I got a new body. And you too get one in your resurrection as well. So, um, and then another implication of the resurrection. Philippians. 310. Philippians 310. Now, everybody doesn't like this one, right? Everybody does not like this one, but we can be encouraged by Philippians 310. It says, Paul is praying and Paul prays. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Listen, Paul said, God, I want to walk in resurrection power. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to experience the same power that you have in your resurrection, right? But Paul also says, and I may share in his sufferings, <coughs> becoming like him in his death that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Now, what does this mean? Jesus's resurrection shows us that there is glory after the suffering, okay? There is glory after the suffering. You can't experience resurrection power without dying. 
Paul or in Philippians, Paul says it without suffering, right? So for those of you that may be suffering, hey, this life is hard. Uh, I get phone calls on a weekly basis about how some people are different suffering at different levels in different degrees, suffering in family, suffering in their bodies, suffering of family members or relationships or uh, just, you know, the realities of this world. But Paul said that I may know the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, being like him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. God's resurrection promises us that even if this suffering is to death, this is not the end. Okay? Sometimes it feels like the suffering is so tough. The thing you're dealing with, it's so heavy that it's going to kill us, going to kill you. And Paul says, even if it does, we can be like Christ because God went through death and was still glorified. So the reason we can shout, the reason we can have hope as believers Because if God delivers us on this side, we can shout because he's the resurrection and the life. If God delivers us through death, we can shout because he is the resurrection and the life. Um, Over the last couple of years, working in the media ministry at a a local church, uh, we've seen a lot of funerals and we see that. Uh, particularly in the life of those believers, there is a joy that comes on the other side of death. And then for those that remain, there is a joy that can come through the suffering, the loss of a loved one. So God is showing you that I am the resurrection and the life. There is the power of God available for those on this side that are in the middle of their suffering. And then there's the power of God uh, with those that may have to go through suffering and even die so that they can experience eternal life in a glorified body. So either way, we win. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, either way, we win. And that, my friend, is an implication of the power of the resurrection. So whether I have to go through death or through suffering, I win because Christ went through it and he came out with all power in his hand and is able to govern us as well. Come on, man, 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 man. And lastly, some may say now, that Jesus has rose from the dead, what's he doing now, right? Because he rose from the dead, because my salvation has been secured, what is it now that Jesus is doing? Well, let's go to 
Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 34. Romans 8, 34. Jesus rose from the dead. Well, and salvation is secured. So what is Jesus doing now? And, um, okay, let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 34. It says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who has raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What is Christ doing right now? He's already secured our salvation. Now he's praying for you. He is interceding for you. He is covering you right now. So as you're living out your life, submitted to God's word, listening to what God has to say, he is interceding for you. He's saying, God, I have already covered the sins of Lee. I have already covered the sins of Uh, I've already covered your sins. I've already covered the sins of people that are listening to this podcast. He's interceding for you in the presence of the Father. So when I mess up, Lord, thank you for praying for me. You know how sometimes, (laughs) you know how sometimes we say, hey, I'm dealing with something. Hey, brother, so-and-so, can you pray for me? Hey, sister, so-and-so, can you pray for me? Romans tells us that God is interceding for you. God is praying for you. There is nothing you're going through right now that is too hard because God is praying for you. Bible says, um, Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan wants you. He's asked to have you, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Listen, whatever you're going through, realize Jesus is interceding and he's praying that your faith fail not. And God, Jesus told Peter, and when you're converted, strengthen your brother. Listen, when you are walking in the resurrection that God has secured for you, strengthen your brother. What I'm doing right now is I'm strengthening my brother because I know Jesus has prayed for me. What you're commanded to do is strengthen your brother because Jesus has prayed for you. Cover your brother. It is because of his resurrection that he is alive right now, interceding for us before the throne of God. The sacrifice has already been paid. He laid down his life, secured our salvation, and picked it up again to secure our resurrection, eternal life, and glorification. Come on, somebody. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God's word is so rich. He's so full. That now I know, like it says here, come on, and I'll end with this. Like I know in Romans chapter 8, verses 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake you have been killed all the day long. You are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 37. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. God's praying for you. God died for you. Jesus rose for you. And now he intercedes for you. Ah, this is why we celebrate Easter. This is why the resurrection story is so pivotal to the gospel. The gospel resides in these three steps. A sinless God died on the cross to take our sins from us and then rose from the dead to give us eternal life. These three things articulate the gospel. And this is why we try to live out this Bible in real life. Thank you. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with somebody. Let them know the implications of what Jesus's resurrection has for them. We'll have eternal life. We'll have a new body. Our sins have been forgiven. Jesus is alive and interceding for us. And he always tells the truth. He said he was going to die. And he said he was going to rise. And he did everything he said he was going to do. All right, everybody. This is Lee Bible in Real Life. I will see you next week when we continue on with our new study. I'm not sure what it's going to be about. I got an idea. And you'll find out when you tune in next time on the Bible in Real Life. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.